Maybe this podcast is not going to be positive at all because it's one of those things that I just, it's, it's, it's hard for me to do because I don't know which way to go with it. I think theology is for the clergy. I just believe in Jesus. Certain hermeneutics of eschatology demand an exegetical approach. I think you shouldn't question what you were taught in church. Isn't that blasphemy or something? Theology. Theology. Unplugged. Hey friends, Michael Patton here for Theology Unplugged. I am here alone this time. I haven't been alone in a while because we've had a lot of special guests and I'm doing a lot of different podcasts. Doing the uh, Crypto Theology Podcast and still doing the podcast with Tad, Conversations with Tad. The problem with that has been, Tad has been really, really sick. We're not sure what he has, but he has something possibly possibly something to do with uh, where he's living. Just pray for him. Pray that we get that straightened out because we are working. I talk to him every day and um, he, he he is pretty darn sick. So pray for him. Pray that it gets better and we figure out exactly what it is and are able to correct that. Today, I'm going to be talking by myself about the issue of healing. Now, I know I said it says miracles and miracles. Healing is a type of miracles. So I put that in there uh, as, as the title because it really can qualify for both. I want to talk specifically about healing because a lot of times I talk about prophecy and you guys know how much I've talked about how much I would love to be charismatic. I mean, I'm rooting for team charismatic. They are my team. I just haven't been able to get on that team yet because I haven't been convinced that I should, or it's responsible for me to get on that team. Reason why I bring this up is because last night I watched this guy who was, he, he seemed pretty intellectually astute. Now, I don't want to put too much upon that because that's not, that's not the issue. I'm just saying he was well studied. He, he knew his stuff. Um, and, and he, he loved to know his stuff. He dug deeper. At least that's what he said. But at the same time, he talks about how, how God has, come into his life and suddenly caused him to be able to uh, open his eyes to be able to see kind of the spiritual, not the spiritual world, the, the world of miracles and the spiritual world in a way because it's very charismatic type stuff. Now, whenever you're talking about charismatic, let me define this real quick at the beginning. I know I talk about it a lot. Hear me out. You can talk about charismatic in two different ways. You can talk about charismatic in the sense of personality and so somebody can have a very charismatic personality, a very outgoing personality, something that, you know, attracts people. That's a charismatic personality. But when you're talking about in the theological world, it's really something else. And I mean, you, you take the one there, set that aside. Now you take what is charismatic in the theological world, and you can go two different directions with that because you can say, first of all, charismatic means that you believe that God is working behind the scenes. You believe in spiritual things. You believe that there's lots going on that we do not see. That is a charismatic type of attitude. So you can have a charismatic attitude in the church. It can even be in the church where you raise your hands a lot and, and you, you are, you're very uh, expressive in your praise. That is, that build, that fills a certain, a big part of your life. The praise and worship. That is, also kind of charismatic. And so the more you believe in these things, let's say you, somebody comes up and they're a, they are a uh, exorcist. They are somebody who is in deliverance ministries and they deliver people from demons. We would define that as charismatic as well. However, 
technically speaking, it's not really charismatic just to believe in those things. You can believe in all the miracles in the world. You can believe in you can believe in all the healings. You can believe in demons. You can you know have have you you can see demons every day. If if <laughs> if you did, that would be terrible. But let's say you did. That doesn't necessarily make you really charismatic. Being truly charismatic has to do with three things. You believe that the supernatural sign gifts. I know I've said this before. Just hear me out. The supernatural sign gifts, uh, the so-called supernatural sign gifts, uh, that are that are spoken of primarily in First Corinthians chapter twelve, the list of them with miracles and healings and and uh, uh, prophecy and tongues and and so forth. Those gifts have continued. People still get them today in the body of Christ. People are are gifted with a certain gift that they use in the body of Christ for the mutual encouragement of everybody else. Kind of like I try to do, and I hope that I have with teaching. I think I do have the gift of teaching. I hope I do. Let's not find out, you know, at the very end, I didn't, but that's what I love to do. That's what I, I spend my time thinking about. And I, I hope I can tr- contribute in a positive way to the church. Maybe this podcast is not going to be positive at all because it's one of those things that I just, it's, it's, it's hard for me to do because I don't know which way to go with it. But number one, you believe those gifts have continued to today. They're still being given. Number two, you believe that these gifts are supposed to be normative for the local church. And then number three, you are pursuing them. I know I say this all the time. These these are the three things you have to have: continuationism, belief that they're continued, a a um, a belief that they are that they are present in local churches. Normative is the best word I think it is that uh, for that because it's spo- it, the idea is it's supposed to be happening. It's God's will for the local church every local church to practice these gifts for the mutual encouragement. Why would you, you know, why would God not give them? That's the idea. And then finally, you have to be pursuing them yourself. You have to go to one of these churches. You have to be looking for the encouragement that they give. You've got to be expressing your own gift. You can't be hiding out and be a charismatic. You're just not. You are, uh, you're a continuationist, but you're not a charismatic. So those, those things are what I'm talking about. You know me, I have been dealing with for 25 years the, the idea of being charismatic and how to be charismatic. I want to be charismatic. There's a lot of things I want to be that I think are functional. And then sometimes some things that I want to be that I think are, are better. They're, they're more exciting. Whenever it comes to, let's say, uh, being a Roman Catholic, I love the Roman Catholic Church. I do. I know a lot of you guys are going to hate me for saying that. I love their historic defense of the person and work of Christ, of the Trinity. I mean, I think that they are, uh, they are, they have been a bulwark. Hopefully, they continue to be a bulwark of strength when it comes to the primary doctrines about the person and work of Christ. Not a Catholic whenever it comes to the other things, especially whenever it comes to the Pope and the magisterial authority and all the councils and their authority over me. I do not believe that they, by virtue of belonging to an institution, have authority over me. However, and the reason why I say this is because I have no problem with that. I really don't. I mean, how much good would it do? I, I mean, I, there, I can make an argument another way, but listen, how much good would it do if you knew where to go every time and you knew that the Lord was speaking through someone 
whenever you had a doctrinal problem or you had something that you needed guidance on. And ultimately, you could go to a bishop that has authority. And then ultimately, you could go to counsel that has infallibility. So I would love that. I mean, we can we could go to those things and figure out there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing evil about the idea of a church that has a magisterial authority that is that is uh holds the treasury deposit that God gave to us therefore is the is the eyes and the ears and arms and and uh just the way that God functions in the world nothing wrong with that I love it I mean it's not like I'd say hey foul you can't do that yes you can God can do that God did it for so long in the Old Testament with the prophets and then in the New Testament with the um with the uh the apostles. So I would love that. I, and here's the deal. I would also love it whenever it comes to the charismatic issue. I love it more actually, because with charismatic issue, whenever you're talking about, does God still do these things today? Again, there's just a presence there. Now there was this guy last night that was talking about how much change he had. And let me tell you how, how I felt. Okay. I'm just going to tell you how I felt because this is this is very important for understanding why I'm talking about this today at least. I felt very jealous, insecure. The idea is you, you think in your mind, what if I'm wrong about all this? What if this guy is right? What if he's right on and I'm supposed to be going and heading in that direction or already there? All of a sudden, I feel this this insufficiency and insecurity because it's such a big move I haven't made. It's like, you know, uh, you're a Christian and you haven't started going to church yet, or you're, you're a Christian and you haven't started praying yet. It's kind of one of those things. You're just like, oh, well, you're supposed to pray. Uh, I guess I better start. To, I'm missing out on something big if this guy is correct. Now, there's all kinds of things that are wonderful about it. Whenever you're talking about gifts, here's here's what I thought about. Because he, he was going through talking about all the people he has healed. Uh, he gave testimony after testimony after testimony. It became very pedantic after a while because it was just, I don't know. I, I don't know how to handle that kind of stuff whenever it's just over and over again. Uh, but uh, it, it was something that I started thinking about myself. And I was like, man, if this is true... My feet, which I can't feel my feet anymore, and I've had such pain in for so long and caused me, I mean, all the way up to my knees almost, my legs are completely numb. Not paralyzed, just numb. I can't feel them, and it's and it causes quite a bit of problems, both pain and problems. I know it sounds weird, pain, but there is pain in the midst of the numbness. It's odd. People who have this type of neuropathy know what I'm talking about. I was just thinking, God, that, that, that's what I do at least for myself. Because that would take care of a big problem that is causing other problems. And so I, I did. I sat there and I said, Lord, come on. If this is true, if this guy, what he's saying is true, I ought to be able to pray to you. I know he does say it's your will. Uh, he does say that. He said it's the Lord's will. We know, we don't know when it's going to happen. That's common charismatic type thing, of course. Uh, God is sovereign over the gifts. He distributes them as he wills. Um, but of, they are of the same spirit, but they, he, he has given a manifestation of the spirit to, for the common good. God is in control of these gifts. So I understand that. But at the same time, it's like, okay, I can't get it to happen with my feet. I can't get it to happen with my mother who is, uh, who lost most of her brain in 2006 and is still alive. And it's just, a, it's, it's a hard situation. 
I can't get it to happen in all the situations in my life. And I can't see it happen anywhere else. And I'm like, okay, if this guy's right and God is, he, he wants to work so badly because this is his whole spill. God wants to work this way in your life. He wants you to get involved with this and see the greatness of everything that's going on uh, because uh, we're, we're, we're missing out on so much. And I would agree 100%. I mean, it doesn't change my faith. It doesn't make me believe, well, in a way it would experientially, when you add experience to your faith, the rationality of your faith and the emotions of your faith and the history of your faith, whenever you add experience to that, it does contribute a significant subjective uh, 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 component that makes your faith stronger. And I think you need a three-dimensional faith. I think it should be rational and and uh, historical and, and emotional and everything else. Now, biblical, of course. And as you guys know, I don't think there's anything in the Bible that tells me that the charismatic gifts ceased. It uh, doesn't really tell me that they've continued, although there's a couple of passages that kind of seem to point in that way. First Corinthians chapter 13 at the end seems to suggest that, and Acts chapter 2 seems to suggest that. But at the same time, you know, it's, it doesn't demand it, I don't think. I could be wrong, but here's the deal. Am I missing out? This guy's basically, his spill is, you are missing out. There is so much going on. And another thing he brings up is how we are in the West, how much the Western world does not engage. In, we're, we're too rational. We, we kind of have a veil that is put up that other people do not have that see and allow for spiritual things. Now, having said that, it's, it's an odd thing to say that because it's like most of the people I know, I mean, maybe we are rational and we are too rational sometimes, but at the same time, rational enough to stop the gifts from happening. I mean, let, let's go, let's go to the time of Jesus. There's a bunch of passages. Let me see if I can, I can bring these up. I was actually looking at this for something else earlier, but there's a bunch of passages in the Bible that are really interesting whenever it comes to what was the, what was the zeitgeist, the the mood, the uh, the the cultural? Where, where was the culture at the time of Christ with regard to these things? What's going on in the background? The zeitgeist. That's what that means. Zeitgeist. The the ghost of the times. I think something like that. German word. But uh, listen to this. And this is what I love this passage. I really do because I use it in other contexts. And this is what I was doing earlier. John 9.32. John 9.32. Write that down because that's significant in what I'm talking about here. John 9.32. Jesus has just healed the man who was, uh, who was born uh, without any ability to, he, he was born a, a invalid born an invalid, and Jesus has just healed him. And the Pharisees are coming up to him, or the Jewish leadership's coming up to him saying, hey, give an account of this. You you just got healed by an evil dude. You know, uh, Jesus is bad. Same thing Pharisees were always doing. And I love the way this guy argues against them. They try to bring in his parents, and his parents are run off scared, basically. They are not going to defend him because they're scared of the Pharisees. This guy's not. He just got healed for the first time, and he doesn't care what they think. But he says this to them whenever, uh, whenever they are criticizing Christ. He says, nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a blind man. That's the key. Really? 
in your culture, in the time of Christ, in the first century, nobody has even heard of it. I mean, he doesn't say just <laughs> nobody has opened the eyes of a blind man. Sorry, that he was blind. I, I, the invalid was uh, chapter nine um, or chapter five, excuse me. But uh, you, you have nobody's even heard of it. That's the cultural mood that Jesus was in. And I, I thought, man, that's not that much different than today. I mean, I, I've, I've heard of it, so I'm a little bit more attuned. I mean, we, we got access to more stuff. We got the internet. We got ways that we can reach across the world and get information. But at the same time, I can't believe in their day, nobody has even heard of it. And in their day, they were actually somewhat rational. I mean, especially when we have the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Sadducees were an entire sect that that were in the Jewish leadership that did not believe in any of this stuff. They didn't believe in any spiritual world going on on the outside. So they were really very, very rational in that sense. They had a they had a veil up. Also, you know, you had the time of the the Greeks that had influenced the entire world with uh you know Socrates and and Plato and Aristotle and the rationality that came from them. So the whole world the, the Jewish people whenever they interpreted the Bible it was a very rational thing for them too. I mean there was a very deep mysterious miraculous kind of the way in which they interpreted that was that was supernatural but at the same time it's not as if they they were expecting all of these things to happen that Jesus came into a world where everybody was not surprised by miracles whenever Jesus came into the world and did his miracles everybody was surprised it was not a culture where you had this going on all the time listen to this that that was John 932 um let's see here let me go to Oh, I missed it. Oh, well, no, no, I'm going to go. Give me a second here. This is Mark, Matthew, Matthew, I think it's 932. Might 933, because it's close. Matthew uh, 933. Okay, listen to this. After the demon was cast out, the mute man, uh, of the, uh, the mute man spoke, and the crowds were amazed saying nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. That's a that's an exorcism. So I mean, Jesus is coming into a time and doing his miracles, he's making a splash. The waters were settled, the waters were were calm. Uh, it was not something that was already going on. It was not in the mind of the culture. It wasn't in the mind of the people. Uh let's see here. Let me give you one more. This is Mark like I said, I just found these this morning because I, I was searching on this particular topic for another reason. I was writing a blog on it. I've got like blogs going all the time that I never finish, but it's just always going on. Okay, uh, this is this is another time whenever uh, he, he heals a deaf person. And he gave them orders not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them, the more they wa- widely and uh, widely, they continued to proclaim it. They were utterly astonished, saying, he has done all things well. He makes even the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Notice that. I mean, this is talking about people are out of their mind. They're crazy. This is why he had such a following. It was a big deal. It was different. He came into the world that I would argue from the zeitgeist 
was as rational as ours in many ways. They were not expecting this stuff. Okay. That it was something that, that, that came, that bursted into their world and made a significant impact. Whether you believed it or didn't believe it or trust in Christ or didn't trust in Christ, you know, like the, like the uh, Sanhedrin said, we cannot deny that a notable miracle has taken place. <laughs> I mean, it's like nobody was denying it at that time because he made such a splash, but they wanted to. It was, it was not a normal thing. Now, why do I say all that? I say all that because, uh, oh, listen to this, listen to this, I found this too. It says, it is a worthy remark that from the foundation of the world, no poor person born blind had been restored to sight, even by surgical operation. Till about a year, uh, the year 1728, when the celebrated Dr. Chesselden uh, by couching the eyes of young men of 14 years of age, restored them to perfect sight. This was the effect of a well-directed surgery that was performed, uh, that performed by Christ was a holy, whole miracle. This is what Christ did. He did a miracle, but we don't hear about these things. That is not something that you can, you've never really been able to fake it much. Yeah, there's charlatans out there. Yes, there's there's magicians, real magicians. And yes, they attract some people. Very source, you've heard me talk about this over and over again, and I will keep on talking about it because it's so important to try to stay balanced. All I'm trying to do is to step into the world of experience and see the hand of God the way so many of us want to. There's not a person that I can talk to anybody, anybody who loves God, anybody who knows God, anybody, golly, it doesn't even have to be somebody who loves God. I can get you and I could talk you into saying and knowing that you would love for these miracles to happen. Everybody would. And the only reason I argue that that way is because I do come across people who are like, I don't want miracles. I don't need them. As if they're, it's showing how strong their faith is. That That's not a good thing. That's not a good thing because you're, you're neglecting yourself of a significant part of the way God moves within us and which he will forever, you know, uh, after in eternity, we will still be learning through our experience. Experience is such an powerful, powerful thing. I mean, goodness, in the end, honestly, Outside of just the tomb being physically empty, we believe that Christ rose from the grave because the experience 12 men had with him and what they did afterwards. So we we have no problem with people's experiences. I have no problem listening to this guy's experience. I have no problem whenever there are miracles. I got I got a book here, okay? Uh, two books, actually. It's Craig Keener. It's the two-volume. People, people show this all the time. Why? Because he did a significant job of going through and cataloging what he believes to be the most credible miracles. It's the credibility of the New Testament accounts here. And then the second one is the credibility of the New Testament accounts, volume two. Same thing. But one of them does uh, the credibility of the miracles in the New Testament. One of them gives modern day miracles before and after type things. Most of them, I think, are are very well done, and many of them, I believe, 100%. And let me tell you something. I get excited whenever I hear the testimony of somebody, like like the testimony of one person who literally was raised from the dead. You got you to gotta see that, that, what happened there. It's just crazy. But here's, here's the problem is these are, these are isolated events and they're miracles, you know, and I've said this many times, 
miracles are called miracles. If they happened all the time, they'd be called regulars. <laughs> and that's, that's Chuck Swindoll. Somebody, somebody, whenever I said that last time, was like, you know, old Chuck Swindoll quote. And I was like, that probably was from him. And I'm pretty darn sure it was. Miracles are called miracles, but if they happened all the time, they'd be called regulars. Now, I, mean, I know that there, there's some fallacy in that statement, but at the same time, it makes a point. It makes a point that this is something that does burst into our life and, and cause us to jump up and down and praise. This guy was talking about how these things, God wanted us to see these things, but we are, we are a culture that has a veil up shrouding us from the world of the supernatural and keeping us from experiencing those things. I agree with the first part. We have a veil up and it shrouds us. I, I, I agree in the sense that I claim to believe in miracles. I claim to believe in the spiritual world. I claim to believe in so much mystery. And you've heard me talk about this many, many times, but deep down inside, I have to wrestle with that claim because I'm not sure that I really, really believe it. I've got to work on that. I want to work on the, the, the ability to see, at least in my mind's eye, with great faith that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and forces on the other side. I don't know what to do with it. It doesn't tell me. It just says this is who you're battling, but not how to battle them necessarily, except for to put on the full armor of God. That's it. It's it's not a hard thing to do in this battle, but at the same time, do I really believe all this stuff is going on? Now, whenever you have people who are going around and they say they're casting out demons, I mean, this guy, it was odd. Again, I like the guy in, in a very real sense, but at the same time, he was basically saying that just about everybody that came to that place, maybe that's why they came, uh, they had some type of problem, and many, many times he had to cast out the demon, and whenever he would call out the demon, it would speak to the to him. That's hard for me. It's hard for me not to believe because this guy, I, why would he lie? I mean, that'd be a big deal to lie like that. I mean, lying is a very significant thing. I think, I think lying, as far as character is concerned, it is the first foundation of your of your character, of your personality. Therefore, it's the first thing in all relationships. Therefore, it's the first thing in just about everything. If everybody's a liar, we're done. We have nothing. Lying, lying is horrible. And I like, I, I do, not a lot. And it's more stretching the truth, but I don't like it. And I try to adjust it. And usually I will feel guilty. And many times I'll come back and I'll even tweak back what I had said to make myself look better or some situation look like I wanted it to look and have to tweak that back. If I'm a liar, I couldn't be a teacher. If I'm a liar, I cannot, certainly can't be an apologist and, and defend the faith. I'll make us look bad. We cannot be liars. Liars, lying is so incredibly important to, to avoid. Now, this guy, is he lying? I don't think so. Here's the benefit of the doubt I give him. Maybe all these things are happening, number one. Maybe he's right and I'm missing out. That's probably the hardest one. It's probably the hardest one for all of us because, yeah, at the same time, we benefit because look at this, our faith is being demonstrated in people and they're, they're rejoicing God. And I have no problem with that. I'm not, I don't look at this and I'm jealous necessarily. It's just here it is happening over there a whole lot. And I'm like sitting here by myself saying, 
what did I do wrong? If this is supposed to be happening and I have pursued this, I have looked for it. And this is the way that I think this is whenever we're talking about charismatics, all you charismatics out there understand my, my feelings, my ethos at this point is this. What did I do wrong? Because I have tried and tried and I want to see this. Now you have to struggle. You have to wrestle with me and see if I'm truly lying. I'm not lying. I'm not. Trust me. You probably believe me. I would think that you do by now because I talk about this so much and I am very serious. Uh, but maybe you think I am, I am closing the, uh, the, my eyes kind of like Elijah's guy. Whenever, uh, all the angels were there getting ready to fight and Elijah said, open his eyes so that he can see these things. Maybe my eyes are closed, but at the same time, I'm like, why this, this doesn't make any sense. What am I doing wrong? And then a lot of people say, well, you got to believe. And as long as you believe, I've tried to muster up the belief many times. And I think a few times I have. Unfortunately, I did. I, I really did believe that this was going to happen because I worked myself into a situation. This was a long time ago. I don't do this really anymore. But I worked myself into a situation where I would just believe that it was going to happen because hopefully there was power in my belief. And it didn't. And I'm telling you, most people that does not work for unless you're 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 talking yourself into believing something that probably really isn't happening. I mean, that's just not the way it was in the New Testament. God didn't come in and Jesus go to each place and give a lecture on, on why they are not seeing the miracles and, you know, all you, they weren't even believers that Christ was bringing in and opening up the doors to the church. And these people were on the outside and he comes in and he makes an impact on a culture that was not that was not too different from ours, rationally speaking. That was very surprised whenever things happened. So none of them believed. But once they start seeing it happen, yes, they believed. And let me tell you something. If I was at a place where I knew this was happening and Christ is going around healing everybody or there's a guy that's healing everybody, I would believe while I'm sitting there. My heart would change and I would rejoice it would work. It would be for the encouragement of the church. It would bring, it would bring people from the outside into the church saying, who is this God that can perform miracles this way? I want to know him. That's what would happen. Okay. And, uh, and with me, that would happen as well. But at the same time, I can't, I can't encourage anybody to ever work up belief that, that they don't know whether or not it's going to happen. You say, well, Michael, that's the point. You've got to know it's going to happen and it will happen. Well, I don't, I, I don't get that from the scriptures. I do not get that from the scriptures. And most importantly, most importantly, I don't get it from your illustrations. I don't see that happening. Whenever I watch, I don't see things happening the way that any objective observer would. All objective observers in Israel at the time were following Christ because they knew something was happening. They knew even in the Sanhedrin, he was connected to God. They hated him and they crucified him for this. That's how much they were against him, but they were still seeing these miracles and acknowledge, acknowledging them. So here's a guy that's telling me that a Christian, a person who loves the Lord and somebody who wants to see these things, hey, you're just not believing. You got to believe and you'll see it. I'm like, hey, let me just kick back and watch you for a minute, you know, and I'm watching him and I'm like, wait a minute. 
I don't see anything happening. I, I always see all the things that are very deniable. Now, I'm not saying things that haven't happened and things don't happen. There's a couple of testimonies out there where I've heard. I mean, look right here, all the these testimonies. But a couple of them that I've heard that's even more significant than this that just blew me away. And it did have to do with a a appendage of the body growing back that was no that was not there. They were born without it. And I believe the story. I really do because I believe who it is that's telling me this. I believe him a lot more than I believe this other guy because I know this guy. Uh, I know I know of him, and it was, it was just a crazy story. Now I'm not saying miracles don't happen, but if miracles are happening out there randomly and they're truly miracles, not regulars, I don't really get that upset because I don't see it as if God wants me to believe in miracles. And if I do believe in miracles or healing, then it will happen. I'm the only one holding back the power of God in this situation. I don't like that. I think that that is very hard for me. I cannot talk myself into that. It seems very convenient for another side that I want to be on. My team, my team that I love, it seems very convenient for you. And so, therefore, I cannot go in that direction. Um, and, and it doesn't fit with the New Testament model, the culture of the day, the what Christ did whenever he came in and made a splash, the apostles, what they did. It does not fit. I'm not denying miracles. I believe in miracles. Okay, so we go back to that charismatic and how charismatic am I with regard to miracles? I'm not that charismatic with regard to miracles, but I believe in miracles. So using the other definition of charismatic, you know, how high you raise your hands or how much you believe that spiritual things are going on in the background, I'm trying to get up there. I would love to be completely charismatic in the sense of I'm, I'm, I believe that, you know, I, so it's no longer help my unbelief type thing. And I see that quite a bit in a lot of people. I, I don't, I look at you out there and people I've talked to and I think this person wants to believe it too. We all want to believe it. And then we, then again, you think if it's happening and we want to believe it, but it's happening at other places, why am I left out? If God wants everybody to go through this stuff, I know he doesn't necessarily want to heal everybody, but it is a hard thing. Once you start healing people in this context, you really got to heal them all or you're leaving somebody behind that is that becomes so much more discouraged than they were before. And that's why I think whenever we're in the Bible, in the New Testament with Christ, I see him healing everybody that came to him. Everybody. It was at one town where he couldn't perform any miracles, but it's because the people didn't want them. They weren't, they weren't, uh, you know, salivating at the mouth for his power to come in their area. They did not like him, so they had no problem with it. But anybody who is, is longing, was longing to see the power of God, they got it. And they, they, they themselves would be healed. He didn't leave people out and not let, when it, since he didn't leave people out, then you have a situation where the discouragement that I'm talking about is not going to happen. I mean, he even healed somebody that believed from far away. He even healed some girl whenever she walked by and touched his robe. I mean, that type of stuff. He was healing everybody, everybody that wanted to in the New Testament got healed. So here I am, here you are, here some of you are out there, and you want to be healed. You want this loved one to be healed, and you see all these things happening everywhere else, and this guy's telling you it goes on all the time. All you have to do is believe like me, 
and kind of shift your faith in this direction. And then you, you even try, it doesn't work. I mean, it's just discouraging. It really is. And I need, what do I need from anybody? I don't know what I need. I, I need to talk to somebody, somebody that can convince me that this is right. Somebody that can convince me and I'll talk to anybody. Okay. Anybody out there, if you want to talk about this, please let me know. Please uh, get with me. I've got a, uh, a new email for people that are coming in. Let me see if I can get this up here. Uh, let's see here. Captions. Okay. I'm going to put a caption up here with my email on it. Here, here's the, <laughs> you'll remember this. W E I R D theology, weird theology at gmail.com. So that has to do with our our podcast, um, Weird Theology. It's not Weird Theology. It's uh, Crypto Theology, but it's basically the same thing. Crypto Theology is, uh, is the name of it. I could not get Crypto Theology. I could not get it for Gmail, so I made Weird Theology. So if you want to talk about it or get with me on Facebook, message me. I've got a lot. Of, I mean, you can go catch me on Facebook quite a bit. I'm always writing on there. Uh, but those are the two ways. I would love to talk to you. I'd love to figure out how it is that I can become like you. I'm not here to criticize, but let me tell you something. I, I can't, I cannot out of kindness and love for you and belief in you not push you very hard because I want to get here, but I cannot allow myself. Listen, folks. And you, you, this is going to be crazy for some of you. You're gonna, we're doing that that podcast called Crypto Theology, right? You may think to my you. Here's what you may th be thinking, Michael. You're too rational. You went to seminary and lost your ability to have faith, Michael. You're you're um, you, you don't want to believe enough, or you're not believe. You could say anything, and kind of put up that wall between me and what can actually happen. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I want to be convinced of it, and I want to learn how. It's been darn hard to learn how. If I ever did, I'd say, gosh, I feel sorry for other people because this is this took me a long time to get here, and I'm not that hard to win over. I'm not that hard to win over. I'm really not that hard to win over. Let me tell you something. I believe, whenever we're doing crypto theology, I believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> so you want to talk about somebody who's not hard to win over? Okay, I do believe in Bigfoot. Now, I believe in him in, in a very different way. I, there's something out there. There's somebody out there. We'll talk about that on Crypto Theology. We'll go into that. But I only say that to let you know that I am not one of these anti-supernatural people. I believe in these things. I just, I have to approach them on God's ground, and that ground is very, very, very sacred. We have to honor him. We have to honor his word. He is, gosh, this is God, folks. This is God, the, the creator of all things. His name, his reputation is way too important to not be very careful around. I mean, we're told to fear the God, fear God. That's the beginning of all wisdom. And so in this case, I'm like, man, I'll tell you, I fear getting it wrong. I really do. There, I, I fear being motivated because of my desire. I want so bad to believe this that I fear my desire will push me in that direction. That keeps me at bay to some degree. So let's, let's talk about it. If, if you can talk about it, 
that would be great. If you will talk about it, that would be great. Uh, I would love to talk to you. Uh, uh, we'll, uh, maybe, uh, you know, get you on here. I'll, I, I can get you on here. If you want to show your face, that's great. If you don't, I could probably set it up to where you don't have to show your face. I uh, can't do it to where your mouth sounds different. I don't know whether you'd not want to be. No, that, uh, I'm acting like this is crypto theology and we have a testimony coming up because people may not want their voice to be heard. But that that's my podcast here. Uh, Miracles Unveiled, talking about healings. And at least it gives you something to think about. At least it gives those who are in the same position as me, you, you're not alone. And then those who believe in these things and practice them, here's here's what you have to work with with people like me. Uh, I'm very honest. I will I will go there. Just help me. I mean, pray pray for miracles. I'm literally pray for miracles because I want them. I really do. But I I'm not gonna I'm not just gonna blindly accept them. It's gonna be hard, hard, hard to qualify for a miracle. I'm serious. It's not it's not a leg growing. It's not a a back that's out. It's not a, it's not even, I mean, maybe cancer and stuff like that. I I know you're thinking, oh my gosh, now he's really bad. But there are things that just happen sometimes. And it, those types of things are the things that make me believe. But even then, and you're going to hate me for saying this, even when I do believe in miracles, like in this book, even when I say, yep, that happened, I accept it with the guy that I was talking about where the appendage grew back. Yep, I believe that happened. But it doesn't mean I'm charismatic, but it's still a first step. Uh, it just means I believe in miracles. Charismatic means you believe that they are normative for the church and you're pursuing them. Um, that would be a next step. And I, I want to get tall steps. I just can't even get past really the first step, I guess. I don't know. All right, folks. Thank you for joining us. This was, this was a lot of fun. Hopefully uh, you enjoyed this. And all right, folks. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Please subscribe. Please become a patron. I have to have patrons. I need patrons at uh, patron.com. Uh, I'll put that in the in the chat uh, or in the text to make sure you see it. But just go to patron.com, patreon.com, search for C. Michael Patton, patreon.com forward slash C. Michael Patton. That's where you'll find me anywhere. Facebook, Twitter. I'm always C. Michael Patton. Uh, TikTok even. So uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us. Subscribe and do all those fun things. Make comments. If you're listening to this on, I know you're probably not because I started saying goodbye and nobody's listening anymore. But if you're if you're on Spotify, if you're on iTunes, please make comments. Put a five-star rating if it's five-star. If you don't think it was five-star, if you think it's one-star, just don't put any rating. <laughs> but, uh, you know, put, put, I have to have those. Whenever we lost our server and this thing restarted, we restarted right in the middle of the time whenever, in 2017, 2018, whenever critical race theory was coming up, and we got so many bad comments because people were mad about that. And so it, it really pushed us down. Uh, I think they're probably sorry they made those bad comments now. But anyway, uh, I thought it was very prophetic when we were doing that. I mean, uh, it was just kind of crazy how they were teaching me about this stuff. And it actually did happen that way. But anyway, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Theology 